Welcome to Talking TRM, the Travel Risk Management Podcast. I'm Bex Debman and I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030. During my transition from corporate travel to travel risk, I've met some incredible individuals driving travel risk management forward with passion and expertise. On this podcast, I'm going to chat with them about their stories and hopefully inspire our listeners to start their own travel risk management journey. and welcome to another episode of Talking TRM. My name is Bex Dedman, or also known as Travel Risk Bex. Um, I think this is about our eighth or ninth episode now, so I'm really, really excited that we're getting into the flow of things, and unfortunately, we don't seem to have any shortage of guests to come and talk about this subject. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome our special guest today, um, a good friend of mine. We've been friends for a while now, and I'll go into how we met in a moment, as is my way, but I'd like to introduce everybody listening and watching to the wonderful Axel Volschinger, and I've just done that wrong. Okay. <laughs> we'll carry on because everyone just I basically everyone who's listening I tried to pronounce that two seconds before did get it right and I knew as I started talking I get it wrong again Axel please will you do it for our listeners properly Axel Bochinger thank you I did it absolutely perfect off audio <laughs> Axel Volkinger. Thank you, Axel. I apologise. I'm just terrible. Um, And I get nervous with names. It's one of my little things. Um, Anyway, so we met um, when I was working at Blue Cube and we were looking for travel risk management partner of some description. And you as the result group, we, we found you. And I think we found you, actually, I recall, because you'd been helping one of our clients. And they were so amazed with what you'd done and how you'd helped them out that they then introduced you to us. So it was a really good, you know, doesn't get much better than that kind of introduction, does it really? Um, so we actually then partnered with you at the time. So I'm I'm sure it's still going on, but I'm out of that world now. Um, but that's, that's how long we've known each other. And then you very kindly got involved in the BSI group that's developing the standard for the, the travel risk, the travel service providers. Um, and one of your colleagues, Rene, has obviously stepped into that too. So it's been a little while. Um, and we met up recently in Richmond as well, which was really nice just to keep this real. Um, it's yes. not always online. Now and again, we get to actually have a nice lunch. Um, and it was really good to catch up with you and to kind of give a view of kind of, I guess, what I'm doing in this space, but also what's happened um, with the result group, obviously, since you since you took over as the CEO. So enough from me. I'm going to now introduce you, um, everyone, to Axel. Axel, if you could um, tell everybody who you are and what it is that you do. Yes. Uh, thank you, Pax. It's a very great pleasure for me being here. And uh, thanks for the invite. That's very kind. I'm looking very much forward about an interesting conversation over the next uh, yeah couple of minutes. Um, you've introduced myself already. Um, I think we stay with Axel, which is probably the most much easy, easier. <laughs> the easier one. Um, <clears throat> as you can hear from my accent, I'm uh, originally Austrian. I work in Germany now, and I'm the CEO of Result Group, which is obviously an English name, but it's a, it's a German. Uh, risk and security management company. Um, we're based uh, near Munich in uh, beautiful south of Germany. And um, yeah, I've, I've been with the company now for more than six years and um, took over as the CEO about two years ago. 
You did, just as we were kind of in the middle of a COVID crisis. So <clears throat> exactly, timing. yes, and that's and that's where we met actually uh, when we were helping uh, one of uh, the Blue Cube clients uh, bring people back home from uh, Latin America mm-hmm. um, in a time where travel obviously was massively impacted by by the pandemic in a in a way that we've probably never seen before. Absolutely. And do you think just on that, I think just for our listeners, because there's so many different risk management companies out there. So just for everyone's benefit, well, whereabouts do you sort of sit? What are some of the services that you guys do? Um, yeah, indeed, you're right. There's there's a lot of them now. Uh, and I guess that's true for the UK, but for Germany and uh, many other countries as well. I also think there is a reason for that because the topic and the awareness uh, to the topic of travel risk management and risk management in general becomes uh, more relevant for for corporate decision makers. Um, <clears throat> but what we do is, uh, on the one hand, we have our operational branch, which does uh, executive protection, uh, high net worth individual protection, um, and other operational security services. And the, the main part is the, the consulting business, the risk management business, where we support mainly corporates um, in, in security and risk management um, um, functions. Um, and, and yeah, I think in, a, in the typical broad range from, from uh, risks, uh, risk assessments, uh, physical security, security audits, um, we got a bit into the investigative part now with the background screenings and um, and business partner screenings which is kind of new at least here in 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 uh, continental europe and yeah that's pretty much the scope of of what we do so it's pretty wide range we do it awareness trainings hostile awareness uh, hostile environment awareness trainings uh, security awareness trainings as well so i guess it's a pretty comprehensive range of services that uh, we provide for a, quite a nice number of uh, reputable clients. And that's why we like to dig into this, I think, because there's just so much more to it. And you didn't even mention the kind of technology piece that holds it all together, which I'm glad you didn't. Exactly. Because yeah. obviously you have that bit too. Um, yeah. But that's, that's, not, that's, <laughs> that's not travel risk management, is it? And this is what I keep talking about to corporates all the time. It's great that you've got some sort of tool, but without all the other bits, it doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. and, and that actually comes from the organization as opposed to the to the company who is helping you support those. Um, and I think this idea of uh, individuals being checked, companies being checked, this idea of due diligence, like this is so big across all standards now. It's it's something that you should be doing against your sort of technology partners, but certainly from a from a security and a risk and a um anti-bribery, anti-corruption, all of that sort of stuff. Okay. It's going across yeah. everything. So I would imagine it's going to get a lot bigger for you. And and I guess it's good that you were already there in that space, carving out a great reputation. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, 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 I, I agree. And uh, I, I'm always uh, smiling a bit if people say, well, we have uh, implemented a travel risk management uh, process now. And then they, when you ask them, what have you done? They tell you, well, we have this kind of technology now giving us information or providing whatever and then well yeah it's it's a part of it but it's certainly not a a, a travel risk management program that you have implemented just with a bit of technology not at all yeah exactly it's the solution but it's part of the solution but it's not without that bit going in and no i agree and i know we've had long conversations around this over the years and it's moving that i think the risk now from that high risk country which is obviously where a lot of 
security companies and risk companies sit to this idea that actually something can happen at any time, any place to anyone. And if you're really looking at putting a travel risk management program together, it's about bringing all of those things together. And have you found companies sort of taking an interest in the standard um, from your side <clears throat> in, in Germany? I know obviously in the UK it's massive. What's it yeah, like? and of course, I mean, we're looking at the, mainly the German speaking market, which is uh, obviously Germany uh, in, the, in the center and then a bit of Switzerland and, and Austria, uh, which is a market of about 100 million. Uh, with very high density of, of industrial corporations from small size niche players that are all around the world, even they're very small companies or relatively small companies to the major players in the German stock market that we all know those very famous brands. What I see and what I've seen probably even over the last few years is that the, the big players, they have pretty comprehensive travel risk management programs. They have the corporate security departments. They have their uh, service providers. They have the technology piece. Um, they have very clear rules on how they do it. When can something be done? What approval is being needed? So that's, that's pretty, pretty comprehensive, I would say. But the smaller the companies are, the more they're the medium-sized or even smaller corporations, the the, the less you find. Um, some of them have taken a, quite an effort because they operate in high-risk environments, uh, but many, many, many others um, haven't really had a big thought on that. And the main drive why you see change now is, I think, first of all, many companies realize the world is changing. It's more volatile. The situations change quicker and you can't really predict what's going to happen tomorrow. And uh, the second, I think, main driver being that they understand they have a certain liability towards their employees. I think we all call that the duty of care piece, um, which obviously drives people to take on this responsibility and finally take action, not to become liable if something goes wrong. Yeah, and I think in a world <clears throat> where, you know, not only can things go wrong, but they can be publicly wrong so quickly these days. <clears throat> exactly. Your reputation yeah. is on the line constantly, isn't it? So it's about liability. It's I mean, Ultimately, we'd hope it's about companies doing the right thing. Um, I do believe there's people in companies just wanting to do the right thing and look after their people. But reputation is certainly, yeah, reputation is certainly one, one aspect of that. And then um, there's another one that we've seen uh, a couple of times also that from the employees, from the workforce, there is a certain pressure to do something in the field yeah. of travel risk management. People push their management to, let's say, um, organize a travel risk, uh, a travel travel security training, security awareness trainings, for example. And that's the, the traveling employees who said, well, we, we would like to have some more information. We would like to be a bit better prepared. Is there something? And they start you know, Googling around and trying to find solutions. And then they go to their management and say, hey, listen, <clears throat> there's something what we want to do uh so it's 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 a sometimes it's a bottom up but sometimes also a top-down approach you see really all of that yeah i think i agree and i think that bottom up is is much more post-pandemic isn't it it probably wasn't such a big deal pre-pandemic but i think so right. many people have been touched with this in so many different <clears throat> ways 
that yeah. actually they've all thought about it differently you know actually what does happen when yeah. and what does my insurance actually what is my insurance yeah. <laughs> and all the other sort of yeah. stuff and who can i call if if i have a problem yeah and interestingly exactly. i would say the the younger the workforce the bigger the pressure and the higher the awareness of something needs to be done in this field as well you know you have those old uh, i don't know old this 55-year-old engineers, they, you know, they travel around the world fixing machines. Um, they've done it for 35 yeah. years. They say, what do I need? I've seen the world. I've experienced everything. And it's probably true um, because there has never been such an awareness on, on, the, on their side. But now the younger people, when they join uh, a company, they are more interested into what is being offered in regards to my security when I'm, when I'm traveling. Yeah, I yeah, I I've seen exactly the same thing. I completely concur. And actually, almost a well, why haven't you got this in place? Kind of, this is an expectation for me to even maybe join a company. So, uh, because actually, I think for me, the, the travel risk management piece is just the proof of how much you care for your employees, isn't it? Like this is something you can actually bring into operation, tangible yeah. and 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 prove it. Um, thank you, Axel. Need help implementing a standard or maintaining a management system? Ascent Risk Management can support you throughout any stage of your project. The expert team delivers impartial consultancy and auditing services across multiple disciplines, including information security, cybersecurity, environmental sustainability, health and safety, quality management, and business improvement. More than just box ticking, their team works in collaboration with yours to build up bespoke management systems that return real business benefits. Find Ascent online at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com. I really, really want to get into the meat of the conversation now. So I'm going to ask you if you would share with us perhaps some of your, your, your past or your stories or, you know, what is your why? Why, why travel risk management for you? What, <laughs> what drove you to get into this? Yeah, um, <laughs> I think... The initial background is quite quite simple. I was I was as so many others in this in this industry um, have been serving in the military for more than twelve years, and I, I was an officer. I, I was traveling uh, to the various crisis regions at this time, and uh, when I quit, I was eager to stay into a kind of business that deals with security. So that was the, just the primary the primary goal. And um, and then yeah, I, I as always, uh, accidentally uh, fell over <laughs> result group. Um, I started as a freelance, and my first um, my first project involved travel to uh, as a civilian uh, travel to Afghanistan and Pakistan. So mm -hmm. environments that you would consider as more high risk, especially the Afghanistan piece, mm -hmm. uh, but a part of Pakistan that I was uh, traveling to was also yep. Yeah, more elevated risk let's let's put it this way and uh with this i really got into the topic uh personally because of my travel and how i prepared and how i was prepared i mean we're a small company and we're security professionals so you you expect a higher level of you know independently preparing yourself mm -hmm. um but then the, the core of my first project pretty much was um developing security concept for for an engineering team that needed to travel to Afghanistan and Pakistan within a larger project, industrial project. And, uh, and that, that's why from the very beginning of, of 
my work in in result group i i had to deal with this topic and then uh yeah from from this point uh it really became uh yeah visible for me that this this is something essential that you that that it's a business case and that i think is the other part of the truth it's uh it's part of our business and uh um we we of course need to generate something out of that but as always if you do something just for the for the profit and for the business yeah you can do it but it's not really fun um but i'm, I'm really i'm really interested in this topic we have uh i do travel quite a bit to interesting places and that's more or less all related to uh, travel risk management related uh, projects that we have to do for our clients and have you ever i mean we've talked to this a little with other partners and stuff that have been on because i think when we travel ourselves as, as kind of travel risk professionals we have a completely kind of different look to things um but and i and i mean with this utter, with utter respect you're a security professional you're you know you're ex-military so you pretty much can, and, and and you're a man um and you can pretty much kind of take care of yourself have you ever sort of experienced or seen kind of where that isn't the case perhaps a more vulnerable traveler or um or a female traveler in a space where you felt that actually you know what the stuff that we put in place for most travelers for those for those 55 year old um <clears throat> guys the engineers that are going on the road is suitable but it's not it doesn't feel quite as suitable for everybody have you kind of experienced anything like that or are our companies talking to you a bit more about that now too <laughs> Companies certainly have this uh, this as a as a topic because the workforce is very diverse. So the travel risk solution needs to be diverse as well. There's a difference, certainly, if I travel somewhere uh, versus a uh, female, uh, young young girl or young woman traveling to I don't know somewhere in uh, Central Africa. Um, the the risk element is different. It needs to be addressed in a different way. And uh, if your risk management program doesn't really consider that and has has uh, adequate solutions, then then it it has shortfalls. And, uh, so there is there is certainly a difference. And I mean, even you know, one of those very basic things that everyone says when you travel, uh, just keep a low profile. If I travel to the Democratic Republic of Congo, I can't be low profile because I. Yeah. being blonde and white stick out like yeah so so um there are limits of low profile obviously yeah and your your program needs to needs to address these differences and those uh yeah gaps and recognize point. i guess and this is the thing we talk about destinations such a lot but it's the destination it's the person and obviously it's what they're doing <clears> when they get exactly. there isn't it and i was just as you were talking the reason i brought it up and might sound like I interjected weirdly then, listeners, but in my mind, I was thinking, you know, a trip to Afghanistan, a trip to sort of some of the more uh, high risk areas within Pakistan. How would I feel about doing that? And actually, I'd have a whole different host of concerns than yourself. And it kind of made me joke, it made me laugh because you were like, you know, we're security guys, so we have to do our own kind of stuff. <laughs> yes, you do. But that's it's that stuff, isn't it, that we want actually everyone to know how to do? Because if all companies had a basic level of security training for all of their employees, would we not as a kind of world be more proactive and more aware just as to how to kind of look after ourselves? And um, I just love the kind of the attitude of, well, you guys, you 
you guys do this as a living, you'll be fine. But also it's a problem that startups have just generally, isn't it? There's not enough people, money, resource, anything to put all this stuff in place that, that kind of yeah. needs to, to happen. And I think this is where if you then go through the whole pattern of how a company evolves, this is why the travel program is never really managed properly from, from day one, because it's almost as a, it's seen as a means to do something else. You know, your, your travel bit wasn't the important bit. The important bit was the work that you were doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because of who you were, you could look after yourself, but actually there's lots of people who can't. Um, and I guess that's what this policy is all about. Um, I just love the fact that you kind of wanted to stay within these regions. We had another uh, one of our most popular podcasts, a guy called Jim, he's also ex-military and he felt the same, but he felt that he went to these countries and like, they're actually not as unsafe as people think they are. And actually there's, there's, there's things that can happen and we can develop this better, which is better for the, for the countries themselves. If people just are a little bit more aware and that was kind of his drive. So it's really yeah. cool to hear how you guys are, where it all kind of comes from and, yeah. and what you, what you do. Yeah, some, some, something that is very interesting, as you just mentioned it, is um, what is your what is the personal per perception uh, of the country that you're traveling to? And very often uh, you might feel, initially you might feel very unsafe in one country because you consider this country to be very dangerous um, because you, you, know, you read some stuff in the news or you have been reading stuff in the news a couple of years ago, but situations might have changed. But then there are other countries uh which have a very positive connotation in general with uh, our western culture uh, but probably the risk security risk is significantly higher i mean take for example south africa beautiful country we all love it as a you know country of doing safari the cape town the table mountain uh nice and great red wine um but it's crime is extremely high and it doesn't make stop uh, from, from, from tourists or, or business travelers, they might be affected. Mexico, another example, beautiful country, but the, the crime rates are massive and it does not just involve only the drug cartels. Yes, that's a big piece of it, but it does affect travelers, business travelers, tourists, and so on. So, um, the, the personal perception and uh, and uh, mm. feelings that you might have, they need to be kind of being brought on a on a more uh, professional level where a proper risk assessment is being done and you get proper information and briefing about where you go and what you can expect there. With the right intelligence coming from the right people. And no, I agree. And I just want to add to that. I think even I mean, we use South Africa, obviously, as a really good example of Mexico, but I think there's even areas in the States or in the UK right now, because we're in a, and I can't talk about the rest of Europe because I'm not, I'm not there, but I, you know, we're, we're going into sort of recessions. People are desperate, you know, burglaries and theft is definitely on the yeah. rise. Um, and also we have a lot of hate crime, like a huge amount of hate crime here. And also in the States, you know, there's certain areas that if you were a, a vulnerable traveler, and I always think of the kind of slightly younger generations in this, because I think there's a, you know, we're also connected now. And I think the younger generations have been born connected on the internet. There's almost an assumption that if you're part of a certain type of community, then yes, you understand some of the risks, but perhaps not all of them. And maybe we think, oh, you know, everyone's talking about going to holiday in Dubai, that's going to be fine. Dubai would be great. Dubai is not great if you're part of the LGBTQI community and you can go, of course, but you really need to understand how you're going to 
behave mm -hmm. and what you're going to do and and is that a, an infringement on your rights yes of course and your right to be who you want to be but that's just the case of how that country is and i think that stuff gets missed quite a lot um because there's this assumption that you know the world's much safer than it is and one of the reasons the 3130 came into being was that businesses in the uk said we're really concerned now if there's a high terrorist attack or if something happens as a sort of lone wolf attack we're not ready for that because we're not a high-risk destination and we don't know what to do hence why the standard kind of became into into you've obviously had instances in germany um where companies are going to be affected too mm -hmm. um are companies talking about their staff and understanding those those differences and how they've got to kind of think about it what are some of the extra sort of pressures that are coming through? Yeah, um, I think the, the the first moment people or companies talk to you about um, about the risk travel risk management program, they're very much focused on their overseas travel, like outside of Europe. Um, and they even sometimes want to save some money and say, no, no, no we only need uh, the intelligence piece for Africa, Asia, whatever, Latin America. And it's, it's, it's quite a challenge then to explain them that, listen, the risk is, the risk of something happening is, is global. It can happen to you in Berlin. It can happen to you in Munich. It can happen to you in Vienna. It can happen to you in London. Uh, there is no difference. There is different risk levels. So the probability piece is maybe changing and the, 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 the impact might change. If you're being rubbed out somewhere in Berlin as a German, you know how to help yourself. Um, that's, 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 that's something that doesn't really make such a big uh, impact versus being rubbed out in, uh, I don't know, uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, as a German, the, the impact might be a different one, uh, also because of the, the type of crime or the, the way the crime is being committed. On the one side, someone maybe has a knife, on the other one, someone has a firearm, which both can be very dangerous, of course. But um, so, so you really need to explain those clients that, that you need a global program, you need to look even on those areas that you feel and again, we're up to this uh, topic of personal perception uh, and individual feelings. Um, you need to get to this point of, of saying, no, no matter, it's a global approach that you have to take. Uh, things can happen everywhere and more or less anytime. And so look at the look at it uh, from a bigger, bigger perspective. As a whole. Yeah, this is As the thing. It's about like ha almost having this tangible program that you can nearly hold in your hands because you actually yeah. understand it so well um, and why you're doing it and all these kind of questions that maybe yeah. companies can't answer yet, but they'll be able to. Yeah. So actually, and very, and, and very often, to, just to add that, very often something that you hear is, well, until now we've never had an incident, so we really, really want to keep only a small footprint with our programs. Well. <laughs> Because something didn't happen yet doesn't mean it will not happen, first of all. And you're also, you're fighting against probability, kind of. Sooner or later, something is going to happen. So it's probably a good time to start thinking a little bit more about how you can do it. Not every, and, and that's that's something when I, you know, it's always about the money. How much are you willing to invest? That's non-productive expenses. Um, so, so I think one, in one, one important message always is 
you can you can put it as a small company or small or medium-sized company you can put a program together that is that has a small footprint at moderate expenses you just need a proper process in place and some of those core pieces need to be added in order to be yeah. kind of comprehensive but not everyone needs to do what i don't know siemens or daimler is doing as a large German stock market uh, company, stock listed company. And arguably getting those processes and policies and all that stuff in place when you're smaller is a lot easier because you can actually go and have a conversation with the people as to why they travel, what they're doing. When it gets to a huge organization, it's impossible, you know, and it's it's about just counting the trips and getting them paid as opposed to kind of any thought given as to yeah. why they're doing it and that kind of thing. No, I, I agree. I um. Oh, I don't. I just want to talk to you forever, Axel. And I'm not allowed to do that. I keep looking at my clock going on my time. I'm like, oh no. So I want to just. Um, I want to use your and abuse your knowledge if we can for all of our listeners and for anyone sort of beginning to start their journey out there. You've just given a little tip, I think, to SMEs that they can start. But I'm going to pull another one out of you. So what? What's your sort of golden nugget that you would advise? Anybody who's sort of wanting to get into this space from a corporate angle, where they where should they start looking and what, what should they do? I think what is important is um, a key point of such a program always is you need to know where your people are. So have the information, where does travel happen and where are people? And if you're a large company, you can have that in more automated, automated systems and processes. If it's a smaller one, maybe just uh, one of the assistants uh, has a list uh, of people traveling at this point um, and ensure that communication is established. So make sure people, you have their comms in place, you know how to reach them and that those people know who they can call in the company or with a service provider. And uh, that needs to be 24 seven. So establishing communications is is the key piece and i guess then a certain point of awareness is the second element that needs to be there and that can be very minor uh, if you're not traveling to high-risk destinations a short security briefing or just a, a, a an intel report that you provide is is another core piece um yeah and 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 i think a little bit of information and intel uh good awareness uh with a bit of training probably and uh having established communications in both directions that's kind of if you have that in place and uh, and uh, and a decent process that describes that i would say you're pretty well off you're well on the way there no and yeah. i'm gonna i agree i think i'm gonna obviously jump on the communications piece because i think there's a lot of assumption here and there's this well you know we've got email we've got this we've got that but it's actually how what happens when the phones go down what happens if you can't actually reach that person so what what are you doing in that piece I think it's so important and so under considered um I work with lots of corporates have got you know again all of the technology in place sort of from almost a tick box level and there's an assumption that everyone because there's been you know something's gone out about the technology so everyone therefore should know about it and and there's no sort of due diligence done to actually make sure that people do that training piece that comms piece that two-way comms piece not only am I telling you this but do you understand it and then actually in an emergency can you get hold of me and can I get hold of you and I think I just wanted to add you know this this idea of personal security um and I've talked about this a lot in the in the different podcasts but as a female traveler for me because that you know that's what I relate to 
I don't have an issue with locator services. I think it's a good thing. It's just about how it's positioned to me. You know, there's an issue with companies and travelers not wanting to be tracked right now. If it's positioned to me in the right way that it's going to protect me <clears> and I can switch it on and switch it off according to what I want to do, but there's some, but I understand why it's there, then I think that it, it's just been positioned wrong, hasn't it, up until now? We've, we've understood it in the incorrect way. Yeah. Um, but I think if um, I just wanted to tie that into the communication piece, because I think it's very easy for a company to go out and go, hey, we've got this app, do this. And then everyone freaks out and goes, you're doing what? I'm not being tracked 24 seven. No, thanks. Um, so it's it's about this. It's it's about under, this, it's about making sure you've got the communication and then being able to communicate what it is that you're doing at a, at a wider level. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you for everything that you've spoken to about um, with our listeners. And I hope that they've got lots of good tips from you. Um, Axel's details will appear at the end of the podcast and the, and the YouTube video, as always. Um, if you've got any questions, I'm sure he won't mind speaking to you at all. Um, of course. So, so thank you so much. Um, and to my listeners, you've been listening to another episode of Talking TRM with Travel Respects. Thank you so much for your dedicated support. And we will be back with you in a couple of weeks time. Thank you and bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Talking TRM is in association with the Scent Risk Management. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 31030, or if you have any questions regarding ISO, please reach out to a Scent Risk Management to talk to our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and links can be found in the show description. This podcast is a Clemark Studio production and was produced by Jessica Ingalls.